should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****. It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this beautiful, amazing, incredible Monday. <laughs> It is Monday, August 10th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Our producer, Jax, is in studio. Jax, how was your weekend? It was great. It was great. Wow, you said that with a lot of uh, enthusiasm, so I'm I guessing you did something fun. Sunday off. It Yay. was amazing. As we've said before here, Jax, on the weekends, um, you do your waitress. I am a waitress. And, uh, and the experience varies from incredible to not so incredible. Of waiting tables experience? Yeah. Yes. It really is just a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, but you get the view, the San Francisco Bay I know, view. I know. I really can't complain. So I, I had a good weekend. I went golfing. I, I don't know if I want to say that publicly because then, you know, people start stereotyping you as this kind of person or lesbian. <laughs> I'm already judging you. <laughs> um, You know, I feel horrible a, a lot when I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll continue. It's only been my fourth time playing. I like the camaraderie and, you know, and establishing these relationships with some of these people. But, you know, I, the attitude stuff and then and then the fact that, you know, you lose your balls and and then the environmental aspect of it. I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe badminton might just be a little <laughs> <laughs> more easy on the environment. So I don't know if I'll continue it. It's too slow of a pace for me, and it's so frustrating. That's the thing is, I like being out there, and, and uh, I turn off my phone for a little bit, and, and I'm just there with the grass, and, you know, the only thing is, you know, people are beating up the environment <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> over it. So in Giga News World, or what's going on in the, the news world, so people continue to talk about the Caitlyn Jenner show on E! Um, and, you know, every single episode we get, like, a recap on it, and you know, there was a report out there that the numbers have declined severely. And I think that, you know, this is the part where you walk a fine line between media success and integrity. And unfortunately, you know, I just think that there are a lot of Americans or people out there who watch TV who want to see the stupid things. <laughs> and, and, and Caitlyn Jenner now, you know, showing us her adventure, but her life now and, and, and you know, becoming an advocate. It's like, I don't know. I don't people like Donald Trump for every crazy thing he says. And it just shows you the the uh, the kind of viewers we have as far as American TV goes. Yeah. I mean, why is reality television so popular? <laughs> It's popular because they're that common denominator, the larger audience, just is tuning in to watch the yeah. drama and the, the worst type of people usually on those kind of shows. Right. I'm not saying Caitlyn Jenner is the worst type of person, but reality television has a uh, reputation. 
And, it, you know, and again, I don't think very highly of the Kardashian girls and even though they were supportive of Caitlyn and all that stuff. But I still think that a lot of what they do is all about their television show and their products. And so I don't watch any of it. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> well, in this most recent episode, you know, Caitlin um, uh, debuts in a bathing suit and I guess, you know, uh, forgoes one that was chosen by Kim Kardashian because it was too showy of the cleavage. It's like this stuff, you know, and it's just like Kim Kardashian, whatever. Anyway, let's get on with our program because we have much more important things to talk about. So speaking of being an advocate, you know, in the post-marriage equality days, we're still navigating how LGBTQI lives are impacted. Yes, there's this great progress, but as we've maintained on the show and we've talked about so many times, the progress of being able to be out and legally marry also comes with a set of old problems. And I say that these, you know, old problems because these problems aren't new. The fact that LGBTQI people continue to be discriminated against when it comes to the workplace, public accommodations, and even businesses that think they have some legal right to refuse service, uh, you know, this is what we need to turn our attention to and really talk about. So our next guest is a professor of law and society at Ramapo College of New Jersey. She's taken some high-profile cases representing transgender employees who have been discriminated against. And a couple of her most notable cases are Jamal versus Saks Fifth Avenue and also EEOC versus Lakeland Eye Clinic in Pennsylvania. Let's welcome Dr. Jillian Weiss. Jillian, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with, you know, the recent uh, opinions piece that you wrote for The Advocate in which you strongly urge that we the, uh, urge the passage of the Equality Act, uh, which is now being introduced in both the House and Senate. Can you talk to us about the Equality Act? Sure. Uh, well, the problem is, as uh, Congressman David Cicilline says in introducing it, you can get married on Saturday post your wedding photos to Facebook on Sunday, and then get fired on Monday just because of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so this is a huge problem. We've tackled this um, immense issue of marriage equality and and won, Um, but we're not done yet. We're we're very far from being done. Um, As a matter of fact, a study uh, conducted uh, earlier this year by the Human Rights Campaign found that 63% of LGBT Americans have experienced discrimination in their personal lives. Um, 82% of LGBT students report they've been verbally harassed. Uh, 38% were physically harassed. And 64% felt unsafe at school. So there's huge roadblocks. Transgender people particularly have unemployment that's twice the rate of the overall population, uh, nearly four times more likely to make less than $10,000 a year, and it's far worse for trans people of color. So these are the problems that the Equality Act are designed to tackle. Is there a difference between the Equality Act and ENDA, which you know some of us have heard of before, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, and we tried to get that passed, and um, it somewhat uh, has been unsuccessful and I think in limbo? That's right. The Employment Non-Discrimination Act was uh, introduced first time, I think, like 20 years ago. It, it was the successor to an older effort to amend the Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation, although it was called something else then. That's how long ago it was. I think Bella uh, Abzug was uh, one of the first uh, introducers. But ENDA was really designed to try to kind of incrementally, let's just tackle employment. Forget about housing, forget about credit, public accommodations, all that stuff. Let's just get employment. And the thinking was, 
Well, even conservative people can get behind the idea of not discriminating against someone at their job just because they're gay or trans. And the answer is no. Actually, they couldn't get behind that. Um, we did actually get very close to passage uh, one year, but it never did pass. And I think the, the realization now is you, you've got to go whole hog. You can't just ask for a piece. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to say we are worthy of protection from discrimination. And even though, you know, the likelihood right now, because we have Republican-controlled Congress, is that it's not going to pass, let's at least introduce it and get moving on this and create the momentum that will result in its passage down the road. It's interesting because, you know, we're having this discussion and it's a year before, you know, we elect a new president in which I'm, I'm, you know, it's obvious that this will be a topic that our uh, candidates will discuss. But at the same time, we have these corporations like Salesforce, like Apple, you know, who've come to support LGBTQ rights in some ways uh, and, and marriage equality, as we saw in Indiana, um, do you think that corporations are aware of, of, you know, how bad it is for us as far as workplace discrimination? Oh, absolutely. I mean, certainly at the highest levels. I mean, most recently, there were four new major companies that endorsed the Equality Act, uh, IBM, Oracle, uh, Orbit, uh, Symantec, and then, you know, they've joined a whole bunch of others like American Airlines, Apple, and so on, Google, because they recognize that uh, discrimination is not good for the workforce, and their problem is they want to get the top talent. Uh, of course, the difficulty that I see as an attorney is that on the lower levels, not everybody is with the program, and sometimes it is hard to address the problems that people are experiencing. Right, right. On the phone with us is Dr. Jillian Weiss, uh, Michelle Miao here, your host, and we're talking about the equality, uh, the passage of the Equality Act, hopefully. Hopefully we'll get that passed, but um, mainly the discrimination that LGBTQI people face in the workplace, even public accommodations and, and the you know, businesses. You know, we've seen that uh, over the course of the marriage equality fight with uh, local businesses, small businesses thinking that they can refuse service uh, based off religious freedom. So, Jillian, I want to talk a little bit about that in states that want to protect religious freedom the, for, the, the, for the reason— of uh, why we, you know, have religious freedom in the first place, could we still pass a law like the Equality Act and respect religious freedom at the same time? Yes, absolutely. And the First Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees the right to people to express their religion and to practice their religion. It does not give them the right to ignore any and all laws. Um, You know, there have been famous cases when the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was first passed, where people said, we refuse to integrate, we want to keep uh, races segregated because it's part of our religious freedom. And the court said, absolutely not. Any more than someone could say, well, I, my religion says I need to steal this uh, candy from your store. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Um, and so the question is, well, because there are some religious issues about um, people's agreement, if that makes any sense, with uh, people's sexual orientation or gender identity, does that give them the right then to discriminate against people? And the answer is no. Um, You know, we're not talking about forcing people to carry uh, a pride flag or to endorse a, a particular person's sexual orientation or gender identity or their religion or their race or anything. But when you enter into the stream of commerce and you open your doors and you say, we are a business that serves the public, 
You cannot pick and choose and say, I don't serve this one because they're a Muslim. I don't serve this person because they're black. I don't serve this person because I don't agree with their uh, sexual orientation. It doesn't work that way. Um, but we can protect people's religious freedom in the sense that they are entitled to express whatever opinion they want as a private person. You just can't exclude customers from your store because you disagree with uh, their, uh, their lives. Right, right. And I mentioned before, you know, uh, public accommodations, which I think, and, and you can answer this for us if there are facts out there, but I do believe that the transgender community faces uh, probably the most extreme discrimination when it comes to public accommodations in some of these states trying to pass laws that uh, don't even allow, you know, trans people to be in something like a public restroom. Um so I'm hoping that what you said earlier, as far as the Equality Act, you know, it's not just it wouldn't just apply to workplace, but it would also apply to housing and public accommodations, health care and so on. Absolutely. Yes, it would apply across the board. And that's why it's so much uh, more important and better than ENDA, which applied only to employment. Um, it's, it's covering um, all sorts of public establishments and accommodations, it applies to schools, it applies to um, establishments that get federal funding. Um, you know, it's, it's really across the board protection, which is what civil rights is about. Civil rights is not just employment, it's about being able to participate in civil society across the board. And what do you think, uh, you know, as we head into 2016 and election season in terms of, let, let's just talk about the conservative or Republican candidates. Um, <laughs> Who do you think uh, will make you know a case for this? Uh, well, I, I don't think the Republican candidates will be making the case for this. Um, you know, my sense is that uh, while a few of them have kind of indicated that they're not going to make this their issue to oppose um, protections, I don't know of any of them that have come out in favor of the Equality Act. I do know that it was introduced in Congress with. Um, large Democratic support and, and only Democratic support. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, I think it's important when discussing this to realize that you are protected right now. The EEOC, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has ruled that you cannot be discriminated against based on sexual orientation or gender identity because it's a form of sex discrimination. Uh, the courts are required to recognize these rulings. Uh, of course, it you know, it takes lawyers to convince judges to do that. But, you know, I have represented people in the most conservative areas in the country. You mentioned a couple before, Texas and Lakeland, Florida, in Oklahoma. You know, we are succeeding because of the fact that there are such rulings. So when, when approaching candidates about this, I think the tack to take is not that, well, please help us because we have absolutely no protection whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Please help us because we already have protections, but it's a patchwork quilt. And it requires us to get employers to thumb through thousands of pages of court opinions to try to figure out what the law is. And it's not clear what its extension is to public accommodations and to credit and so on and so forth. So let's just make it clear. That really is the argument here. Not that we have nothing. Please give us something. We have, you know, three quarters of what we need. Please make it clear for employers and others so that they understand what the law is and we can live our lives uninterrupted. Jillian, what a great segue because that was going to be you know, my next question in touching on the EEOC. We have to take a quick break right here, but will you stick with us and continue this conversation? 
Absolutely. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. We'll talk a little bit more about what this means in regards to the EEOC. listening to the progressive voices network streaming the best in progressive talk 24 7 keep the progressive conversation going on on facebook like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices on the progressive voices facebook page we update the stories that our hosts like tom hartman stephanie miller bill press and leslie marshall will be talking about during their shows and we share great news commentaries opinion pieces and videos from all over the progressive world always progressive always on be part of the progressive conversation like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Monday. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. On the phone with us is Dr. Jillian Weiss, uh, an attorney and also professor, and we're talking about LGBTQI workplace discrimination. Um, Jillian, you know, before we went on break, we touched a little bit on the EEOC. And you know, as you mentioned, we already have protections, but you know, why do you think that we don't or a lot of people aren't talking about the protections and this ruling that the EEOC has made that makes it illegal to fire transgender people. Can we talk about the EEOC and and kind of, you know, maybe clarify how this ruling came about? Sure. Um, And I want to mention also that the EEOC recently ruled that it's illegal under federal law to fire someone because of sexual orientation as well. So it's not just transgender people that are protected under these rulings, but also uh, gay, lesbian, and bisexual people. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, um, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the federal agency that addresses the federal civil rights protections, uh, came to realize, uh, after seeing a number of court rulings around the country, that when you fire someone because they are transgender, because they transition from one gender to another, that essentially you're firing them because of gender. And um, so in addition to a number of federal courts um, and other federal agencies that have recognized that sex discrimination includes that, uh, the EEOC uh, had such a case and they ruled similarly that, uh, of course, it's sex discrimination. Um, And as I mentioned, you know, most recently uh, within the last month or so, there was a ruling saying that um, 
gay, lesbian, and bisexual people are also protected under sex discrimination laws. And it just makes sense. Because if you think about, with regard to a transgender person, the courts had originally said, well, it's not really sex discrimination. It's mm-hmm. that you were changing your sex. That's not what the statute was talking about. But the, uh, some of the, the judges have said, well, look, if someone came in and said, I'm changing my religion from Christian to Muslim, uh, and the employer said, well, you're fired as a result of that, obviously that's religious discrimination. We wouldn't say, well, that's not really religious discrimination. And with regard to sexual orientation, you know, when someone says, well, I don't like the sex of your partner, I think that that's wrong. Obviously, they're talking about discrimination based on sex. And so this is what courts are coming to realize. And that's really what the Equality Act is saying, that this is all discriminatory, just as sex discrimination is discriminatory. And it's time for us as a society in 2015, hopefully, or maybe 2016 or 2017, to recognize that. I mean, it's ridiculous that we have marriage equality and not protection from discrimination. Right, right. And, you know, you've worked on some uh, high-profile cases that have t- you know, made, you know, the headlines have made you know, the media. And in terms of the EEOC rulings and, and discussing that they've come to this decision after so many other cases, were there any other publicized cases or high-profile cases that might have influenced their decision as well? You mean influence the EEOC's decision? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I know that uh, it was, it sounded like what you were saying was that it, came down to there were so many decisions um, in the court system, right? And and that you kind of, it, they saw the writing on the wall. And I was just wondering if there were any landmark cases like we had in, as far as like marriage equality, we can name a bunch state by state that were cases that, you know, the media was talking a lot about. Uh, for some reason, I just find that, you know, when we talk about the EEOC, it's not always the case that we're, we're discussing this in mainstream media as well. Right. Well, there's two cases that stand out in my mind. Um, with regard to transgender people, uh, there was a case uh, in uh, 2011 uh, called Glenn versus Brumby, and that was a case brought by Lambda Legal, which, of course, is uh, the nation's largest and oldest LGBT uh, legal services uh, nonprofit, and they brought it on behalf of Andy Beth Glenn, who was an employee of the Georgia legislature and was fired because she was trans. Mm -hmm. And uh, what the court in the 11th Circuit in covering Georgia, that court said that is sex discrimination. I think that was one of the important cases, although there were a few before that, that influenced the EEOC in making their decision, and they, of course, mentioned it uh, in their uh, decision. Um, With regard to sexual orientation, there was a case brought uh, a year or two ago uh, called uh, Tervier against Billington, And that was uh, a case by a gay man who sued the Librarian of Congress because of a hostile work environment um, in which he was imposed upon because of people's religious beliefs and sexual stereotypes uh, against his being gay. And the uh, District uh, of Columbia District uh, Federal District Court ruled that that is sex discrimination. So I think that... Uh, was something mentioned by the EOC in their mm-hmm. most recent decision, and uh, just shows the growing chorus of judges and courts and agencies that are saying that this is discriminatory under the current laws. 
And I bring up the cases because, you know, here's the thing. I mean, in, in your opinions piece uh, that I read on The Advocate, it's true. A lot of uh, trans employees, you know, don't have the six-figure paying jobs. And so if you're being discriminated against um, or, you know, your workplace, uh, you know, how do you even begin to to sue your employer for this type of discrimination if you don't have the resources to do it? And you yourself, Jillian, I mean, you have experience in being discriminated against as well. Well, that's correct. And I would say that the first step in addressing discrimination um, after you try to perhaps raise it uh, through an internal complaint is to call us or some (laughs) other lawyer uh, who has experience in these types of discrimination cases. And very often, if it's a good case, uh, these will be taken on contingency, meaning that you don't pay unless you don't pay a legal fee unless there's uh, money recovered uh, through the case. And, of course, that's the only way, really, that most people could ever afford to bring one of these cases. And that's what employment lawyers largely do, Uh, unless you're running a hedge fund, in which case you could also call me. But, (laughs) um, you know, mostly we're dealing with people who are, you know, wage earners, uh, just as I am. And Mm -hmm. um, employment lawyers will take your case if it's a good one. And so you should definitely call around and, and speak to attorneys. Um, the good ones will not charge any sort of consultation fee or anything like that. If you know they're they're out there looking for good cases, they want you to come in and and talk to them. Uh, and in, in terms of my own discrimination, um, yeah, I mean absolutely. When I transitioned in 1998, uh, you know I experienced all kinds of discrimination, and uh, it was of course made more difficult by the fact that when I first transitioned from male to female, it was quite obvious. I looked very uh, ambiguous in terms of gender, and it was um, it, it made things very difficult to, difficult in terms of finding a job. But I eventually found one as a secretary, uh, even though I was an attorney. But I didn't tell them I was an attorney. I was just happy to get a job because I had friends who were, you know, sleeping on the street and just trying to figure out where to get their next meal from. So um, you know, things have changed since then. Obviously, I I went back to school. I got another degree. I've been teaching. For the past 10 years at Ramapo College of New Jersey, I had never had a problem there, um, and I have really have not had a problem, um, you know, for myself in the last uh, uh, 10 years or so. And I, I would say that a lot of this has to do with people's discomfort with visible androgyny. Um, you know, when someone appears to be somewhat uh, ambiguous or unclear in terms of gender, that's when people feel it's okay to say rude things or ask rude questions or mm-hmm discriminate in all kinds of ways. So that's, we need to protect people at their most vulnerable times. It's true not only of transgender people, it's true of gay and lesbian and bisexual people. And, you know, if I stand for anything, it's that I support the courage of people to be themselves authentically in the world, and I will use the law to help them do that. And there's something you know, else I wanted to bring up um, that was a strong point in your opinions piece in which you talked about even if we had the uh, Equality Act tomorrow that you know your practice would be thriving or there would be a lot more cases of, of discrimination. Um, and that's because we continue. This is this is, I think, you know, the next fight. Right. Kind of as we're winding down here. This is the next fight. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize um, that what they're doing is wrong. They feel they can get away with it, or they've seen other people treat LGBT people in that way and feel it's okay. And so, look, I mean, race discrimination and and sex discrimination did not disappear after the 1954 Civil Rights Act. It is still with us. 
um, and it takes you know civil rights lawyers to go out there and fight against that so that people and companies learn that this is not acceptable and the same will be true for trans and gay people and that's the fight that we have to fight. And uh, we're very thankful that we have attorneys like you, Jillian, out there um, fighting for us. And just really quick, I mean, because, again, you know, even here in California, sometimes it could be intimidating or daunting to, uh, you know, look for resources. Uh, And even if we have the Transgender Law Center, I mean, if you're being discriminated against, there are people out there willing to at least talk to you, uh, such as yourself. And so how do we get how do we get in touch with you? Well, you can look me up on Google, Jillian Weiss. Uh, I have a, a website, and you know, feel free to call me. I will help you uh, get pointed in the right direction. We represent people all around the country, although I'm only admitted to practice law in New York and New Jersey, but we get admitted in a case-by-case basis to various courts because of our expertise. And there are, you know, as you mentioned, Transgender Law Center. There's also uh, Lambda Legal and the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund. Um, you know, National Center for Lesbian Rights does a fair bit of litigation, and there's a few others. And, you know, please, please get in touch with me. I'll be glad to steer you in the right direction. Dr. Jillian Weiss, thank you so much for joining us here in the program and walking us through. Uh, hopefully we will get the Equality Act uh, passed. Amen. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. Jax and I, uh, we've, we've got some um, secrets to spill, maybe. <laughs> Don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years. And uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? That's just always been my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. 
and, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. It is August 10th, and uh, it's summer in a lot of places, and it's really dry here in San Francisco. It's been hot and humid and weird. My legs are completely eaten up by various random bugs. (laughs) Wearing shorts on the golf course, perhaps? Uh, Yeah, no. No, I was even wearing khakis at the, you know, the uh, an office in Pride or Pride, the Pride offices in San Francisco, and I came home with bug bites, so I was a little concerned. <laughs> I went to Lake Anza uh-huh. in the East Bay, got some bites myself. Yeah, yeah, and um, I am such an impulsive person in the, in that if it is itchy. I will scratch, scratch, and scratch until I bleed, which is not good. I know. (laughs) No self-control. No self-control at all, at all. And so it's just been horrible. So now I can't even wear shorts for the rest of summer because (laughs) I just look, it looks bad. And and I bruise easily. So it's my scratching. I have bruises on top of my bites. (laughs) No more khaki shorts for you. No more khaki shorts. If you've got summer, brutal summer stories for us, head to michellemeow.com. Write to me, let me know. I'd love to share them on the air. Um, we also, you know, we got an, a, uh, an email from a listener slash viewer who had come across our Looking interviews. So Looking was the HBO hit show that featured the gay guys, and it was set in San Francisco, and it was canceled last year for, you know, HBO reasons. <laughs> Whatever their reasons want to be, I guess, you know, they wanted more viewers and... Uh, Lena Dunham stole the whole entire network of viewers with her girl problems. <laughs> <laughs> some of the some of the stuff on girls I just can't get with. Um, some of it's bad, and you're yeah. just like, eh. but I like the show overall. Yeah, I'm like I'm for me, it's like good for her. I I just like the uh, the the hot chick. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Marnie, the girl who mm, plays Marnie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, her dad's a big television network news guy, news anchor, right? Brian? Yes. Give me, don't make me sound stupid right here. I don't know his last name either, but then there was a the whole controversy of like, oh, well, this, they didn't even work for it. Like, this, their parents are famous and this was like given to them. But I think she's talented when it comes down to it. Lena Dunham, that is. Brian Williams. It's like the easiest name of like, of, it's like if you the, were to think of a white male name. <laughs> uh, There's John Doe and then. Oh there. my gosh! Whoa, I'm I'm blanking really bad. But anyway, so we got a letter from someone who really really missed the show. Looking, so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play some interviews back from when the uh, guys were visiting San Francisco before season two um, aired, their their premiere, and uh, enjoy. 
We got an awesome show for you today. We, uh, Dennis and I, were at the Looking premiere in San Francisco. Yeah, Looking fun. is HBO's new hit show. It's a, it's about a handful of gay guys in San Francisco, and so, um, it, you know, the, of, of course, there's a lot of sex. That's the first thing I, I should say about <laughs> the uh, the show. But uh, you know, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, season two premieres this Sunday at ten o'clock. Uh, so, what'd you think of the premiere, Dennis? I thought it was fun. I mean, I I, I like the people that organized it. Our, you know, our people that were helping us. Get Outcast, the PR agency. Nice people, you know. Super nice. Um, they had to mix us around, you know, a lot of different media there, and uh, they stuck us at the end of the interview aisle. So it took a little time to get people to us, but they made sure that they got to us. We got all the, the players, all the main players, and uh, it was fun. It was I'll, fun. I'll have to say, um, I think I like the guys, the uh, the actors or the cast and crew, yeah. more than I might like the show. Uh, they turned out to be just the sweetest guys, super fun. And even though we were stuck at the end, I felt like they were still energetic. They still had it in them to, like, speak to us. They, they certainly aren't jaded yet. You know what I mean? They're, they're not at the point where, uh, you know, well, uh, uh, they were really excited. They're excited about the show, season two. Yeah. Um, and they were great, and they rolled with stuff. I mean, some stupid questions were asked, and they rolled with them, you know, uh, as much as they could. Yeah, good guys. It seemed like good people. And, and the one gal, she's funny. Right. So Looking Stars, Jonathan Groff, um, most of you might know him as the guy who dated Zachary Quinto, the star of American Horror. Uh, is so, that who he is? Yeah. I know I'd seen him before. Yeah. You know? So they, they had kind of like an awkward breakup and, uh, you know, no one ever really knew why they broke up, but they did. And that's cool. But, uh, you know, Jonathan Groff also stars in a bunch of Broadway shows and sure. he's got other uh, projects in the hopper. Um, and also Frankie Alvarez, uh, you know, hot. <laughs> you know, let Latino yeah, I, guy. What can I, I, I say he was about hot. him? What can yeah. I say? Yeah, and and you know, the first season, you see these guys just kind of. It took a little while. I'll have to be honest with you. It took a little while for something to happen for that like climactic point, right? Um, oh, and we've got a caller on the line. Now, what we'll have to do is, <laughs> since, since that's on me, I don't know that I should take that four one five. I'm not going to take it, but I will shut it off. But we should find me. Yeah. I think because, and actually, as the producer, I should say, okay, phone's off, everybody. Yeah. Is your phone off? Cecilia's phone? In the hey, in the, see, she went three steps better. She took her <laughs> phone, put it in the other room. Is your phone off, Michelle? You, of course. Come on now, guys. Be, because you damn. No oh. one matters but our listeners right now. So, you know, my mom could be calling me right now. I'd be like, mom, forget you. But I've been doing that since college. Um, anyway, Let's get to the premiere, because we did get a chance to talk to some of the stars, and we had a good old time. So here's the footage from, or I should say the uh, sound bites from the premiere of Looking. Hey, we're here at the San Francisco premiere of Looking, HBO's new It Gay show. Rome, are you excited for Looking, the season two? I'm so excited. I just love that the show is filmed in San Francisco, and they keep it so real and so true to form. They go to places where we all go. They do things we all do. It's fabulous. Tell me the truth. Who's the cutest of all of them? Oh, my God. Russell Tovey. Hands down. <laughs> Those boxcar ears. Oh, he's so adorable. Thanks for stopping by. We love you. Love so your, you. your character, Eddie, um, yeah. I read in an article. This is interesting because they say that, you know, Eddie's the bear. Is that yes. true? Uh, Grr. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like, you know, what the writer was trying to say was that it was the producers or uh, attempt to diversify the look of the guys 
from season one. How do you feel about that statement? Um, I, I mean, I don't know if that was exactly exactly what they were trying to do. Um, I know that it's impossible for them to reach to every different style of audience, but me personally, I'm happy to be a bear on a gay show. I think it's a cool thing. I don't think that um, we see a lot of that. Um, you know, bigger dudes kind of get left out of the gay lexicon, so it's nice to be a part of it. I like it. Can you do grr again? Woof, grr. <laughs> Daniel, thanks so much. We look forward to uh, watching you and uh, looking. Great right. to meet you. Great to meet you. Hey, it's Raul Castillo. He plays, he plays Richie in Looking. And so, you know, Richie, for some, yeah, they have said that he's kind of like Patrick's part-time lover. So will he be the sidekick in season two? What do you think? Uh, no, he's not a sidekick. He doesn't, I don't think he, uh, he would ever um, regale himself to a sidekick position. I think he has a lot more pride than that. So we watch him fall in love, basically, with Patrick. Um, do you think that he'll continue to be in love with Patrick in season two? I think that Richie and Patrick have something very special and very unique and kind of undefinable. And it's exciting the way that the writers have continued to explore it this season. I'm, I'm really excited for the fans to see the work and, and where they're taking the characters. So, yeah. so I just want to know really quick, um, how do you prepare for your role as Richie in, in a sense where, you know, it's shot in San Francisco. I don't know if you've had been in San Francisco before and you play a gay character. Um, so did you learn a lot from the guys around you and the rest of the cast and crew? Uh, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot. Um, but, but I, you know, there was a lot that was... Um, I guess uh, it, it wasn't so much about preparing. Preparing was more about kind of figuring out his backstory and, uh, and understanding where he comes from, the world that he comes from. You know, he's from you know he's from the East Bay, which is a completely different part of uh, of, of the Bay Area, and like understanding his transition from the East Bay to San Francisco and what his home life was like and his family life and, and, and uh, understanding what kind of motivates him emotionally and, and, and um, spiritually. And, you know, yeah. That sounds so wonderful. I have one last question for you. So you spent some time here in the Bay Area. You know we're super serious about our burritos, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm from Texas. We're more tacos, you know, uh, oriented. So I, I love the burritos. All right. Okay, so th we're so serious that we have judges you know, who judge on this thing. I think La Taqueria here in San Francisco has won the best in the, in the entire country. So if you were to be a judge, you know, for the best burrito here, what would you, what would you judge it upon? Would it be liquid ratio? Would it be size, weight, girth? Um, that's a good question. I like spice. I like, like, I like original flavor. I don't like things that taste prepackaged. I like, I like a mix of a mix of, uh, of moisture and, 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 and hardiness, and yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a burrito fan. Spoken like a true champ. Hey, Raul, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in season two. Yeah, watching you, actually. I dress yeah. up for these things. Yeah. Dude, somebody should, for God's sakes. So we, we wanted to ask you, in, uh, and, uh, in, the, in the show, you were from Modesto or Merced? I can't remember. Modesto. 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 And we shot in Modesto this season. You did? We did. Our very own Michelle Miao is from... Modesto. Are you from Modesto? I'm from Stockton. Oh, wait a minute. I oh. think it's different. That's a that's a trick, isn't it? Yeah. What a trick that you said she was from Modesto and she's not. Close, close, close. Well, good so enough. Close. Whatever, whatever you want to hear. What I want to know is what question are you prepared for that you've not yet heard? In other words, what answer are you ready with that you, I, for the question that nobody else has had the well, balls to ask you? Okay, it didn't matter what I prepared for. I still messed it up because tonight before I got here, I have all these, my family and friends visiting from Indiana came out. And I, I was like, you guys, I have to practice because last year 
I just said the same thing over and over again. I was just like, HBO and gay, I'm in heaven. <laughs> HBO gay, I'm in heaven. Because I am. And those two elements are fantastic. And I was like, they're going to ask me what Doris's thing is this year. I'm going to have to like, to, and I can't, without getting into the details of what happens, I don't know how you sound eloquent and make it sound fantastic. Besides saying it just gets so much more complicated. And the whole season, everybody is, it's, it even looks different. The show just looks, it's all gotten better but that just doesn't sound right it just sounds like such schmaltzy like it's amazing now everybody's covered in gold and diamonds and blah 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 but it really has gotten deeper better yeah. I, I'm happy to hear that there are a lot of people across the country one of my friends Ricardo in Des Moines uh, he, he says uh, this this show is really not necessarily representative of San Francisco and the gay life here. How do you, do you have you heard that complaint? I hear it all, I hear complaints of all over the place. It's like people are like, this doesn't represent. People don't feel represented in the show, right? They're like, that doesn't. That's not my life. That's my, which I completely understand. What I what I what I always makes me think when I hear that is like, there's not enough on TV that is representing gay life, and so we cannot cover everything, and it's so frustrating. And also, I think it matters so much. So when people are upset about it. I'm not saying I like it, but I, I think it's, I, I get it. Or I'm always like, I hear you, and it so just means to me the fact there's just not enough out there. There's just not enough being done. And this is one little, one story, do you know what I mean? It's not representative of everything at all. Um, at all. And so it just happens to be what Michael and Andrew, what they chose, to, what stories they chose to tell. And I'm glad, because I got to fit into that world, so I'm happy, because I love, I, I'm such a fan of the guys who work on the show. Congratulations on the second season of like, Looking. Am I pregnant? <laughs> I got scared. I was like, no, no. I'm like, no. I'm like, why did they Was it the hot tub? Toilet? What happened? Exactly. It was the toilet seat at the Clift Hotel. Second stall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm that guy. You're that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's me. It's Frankie. Frankie Alvarez, and he plays Augustine in uh, Looking. So season two, can you tell us all the secrets? Tell us now, what happens? All the secrets. Uh, we're actually all women. Uh, we, we're all in love with each other. Yeah, it's actually the gayest lesbian show you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, speaking of lesbians, right? Um, I'm trying to really connect with the show, and um, I can't help but the only time that I actually feel like connecting is, you know, through the sex scenes. Is that horrible of me? I mean, that's very HBO viewer of you, you know, right? <laughs> I love your answer. So, you know, a, a lot of people think that you play such a such a depressing. Say it. <laughs> Say it. Okay, fine. Such a such a dick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Does he turn around in season two? He does. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we throw away the baby out with the bathwater, um, but uh, he's starting to learn uh, the repercussions of his actions, and he's starting to take better uh, care of his relationships, both romantically and friendship-wise. Um, so he's learning. He's learning. He's trying to be a better person. You know. So you, the new romantic interest is Eddie, and who we just spoke to earlier. And so, um, you know, it was quite surprising though that uh, your character would hook up with a. Bear, if you will. What's so surprising We're, about it? Well, I guess because your your first boyfriend or the boyfriend that we met in season one is so different than Eddie, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think that's more uh, a function of uh, Augustine is a pretty sexually open guy, you know, and I think he fell for Frank because Frank is a caretaker and really sweet, and I think I think uh, Eddie has that same kind of sensibility. I think Augustine out of, out of the bunch is actually the least uh, superficial in terms of looks and stuff, you know. I think he really falls for somebody for who they are on the inside. Um, 
that being said, he's still working on his own insides, you know? Hey, I'm, I was just going to say, it doesn't sound like a dick to me. So one last question for you, because it was posted on our Facebook page. But people want to know, how is working on this show, or this, this show, how has it changed your life? Um, well, I, I've been able to audition for some amazing projects, stuff that I never would have dreamed of before. But mostly I've added on all these guys as friends, you know. Uh, we hang out all the time in New York, and so to expand that friendship, it's been beautiful, you know. And it's been a dream come true in a lot of ways. Hopefully season two becomes season seven, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, here's a big secret that we'll say here on the show. You're my favorite. No, even though even though you're supposed to be the dick. Yeah, you're my favorite. You're my favorite dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. I look forward to season two. Yeah. It's true. I'm a fan of the dick. <laughs> Looking is so those guys are just so fun. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue with the Looking premiere and some more interviews. You've got to stick around till the end for Jonathan Groff, the big star of the show. So we'll be right back. It's the Michelle Miao show. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. I love, I love, love, love <laughs> our little intro, outro song. Just makes me just want to star in a porn or something. No, not really. Absolutely not. Never, never, never. You must think I'm just so gross. Thank you so much for joining the show, by the way. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. It's our third show ever of the year in 2015. Trying something new this year, doing a uh, whole look on, you know, me, I guess. And what this show is all about is it's about covering the LGBT, LMNOP, 
and everyone in between. So we're going to take you on you know, quite a ride this year. It'll be uh, everyone from those in our community. It'll be progressive thoughts and voices and also some conservative or, you know, extreme or alternative people. So, again, thank you so much. And as we get better and better at this, we'll definitely get you uh, on the interactive side of things and uh, be able to talk back to us and all that good stuff. So later on in the show, we actually do have an incredible interview for you. Um, You know, love this woman. Uh, She's a former Navy SEAL. Uh, Team Six and came out as a transgender woman after uh, being released uh, from Navy SEAL. And she has a new documentary out, Lady Valor, and kind of takes us down the road of, you know, people accepting her, people not accepting her, and just kind of what it was like to transition and be out there. So you'll have to stick around for that. Also, we've got the best burrito in the world. I don't know if you noticed, but I asked Raul uh, Castillo about the best burrito in San Francisco and he didn't he totally didn't catch my whole thing I was going with that. I should have asked an actual gay guy uh, who was part of the show because they probably might have gotten it. But in you, all you and I were laughing. I mean I was you know I'm behind the camera and I hear Michelle asking this double entendre question <laughs> about how do you like your burrito? Do you like them thick? Do you I mean it's like come on. So I'm going go what what and he goes and he answered, well, I like uh, my burritos on a uh, flour tortilla. And, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he really like, got into it. Super yeah. serious about it. Yes. But, and in all honesty, uh, you know, San Franciscans are extremely serious about their burritos. La Taqueria here in San Francisco was voted the best burrito in the entire country. We'll tell you how we got that award. And uh, Dennis and I will walk you through what we think is the best burrito in San Francisco period. So you'll want to stick around for that. We do have the rest of the footage yep. of looking, so I promise you I will play it all for you today. So here it is. Hi, Jonathan. Michelle. What's up, Abel? Great to meet you. I've been waiting here for three days straight, 72 hours, camped out in front of Caster 3 just to talk to you. Oh my God, it happened. Okay, I'm told I only have one question. So that question is, does Patrick fall in love, get married, and buy a house in Pack Heights? Is that season two? Is that all of season two? No. <laughs> no, but I, I feel like I want to answer another question, though. No, I'll tell you, Patrick does not get married this season. But uh, what the season sort of built to at the end of season one, you almost pick up immediately where that left off. And the writers, this, like, really went deep this year. They really go in. We got up to, like, the fourth episode and reading it. and Because uh, as an actor, you get it, like, every episode, like, one at a time. And so much had happened up to the point of episode four that we were like, where are these stories going to go? And I think that in season two, the characters end up going in really unexpected and hopefully interesting, definitely complicated places. That sounded wonderfully intelligent and sexy at the same time. I was thinking there's some some physical stuff that's going to happen. Larry, you look like you're dying for a question. I have a really serious question. Boxers or briefs? For me or for Patrick? (laughs) Both. both. For me, uh, it's actually I've like, weirdly, so... I'm wearing a lot of Uniqlo briefs as Patrick. I'm usually boxer briefs, although the Uniqlo briefs as Patrick were so, I'm going to confess something now. I stole a lot of them from the trailer. I would wear them home. And so I'm going to say it historically has been boxer briefs, but 
maybe I'm becoming my character a little bit, and I'm going more for like briefs as of late. But it's constantly evolving. Sometimes it's no, no underwear at all. Oh. Right in this moment, I'm wearing boxer briefs. Thank you so much. Thank you. We look forward to season two. Are you happy now, Larry? Oh, I'm so happy. I know that. I wear a Hanes Her Away from Target. Eight bucks, three of them. Sometimes I get them for sale. And, um, and they're the uh, boy cuts. They're still girl underwear. Does anybody care? No one's listening. <laughs> I care, meow. I care, meow. Here he is. Here's Murray. Murray, one last question. Yes. What answer do you have for a question tonight that has so far gone unasked? Oh, my God. Um, uh, I've been asked so many questions, it's hard to think of a question that I haven't been asked. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. We're not. Well, I'll let I'll let you off the hook. We okay. just want to welcome you to San Francisco, oh, and it's you. great. It's great. I'm having like you. we were driving from the airport today, and uh, I just fell in love with the city all over again. It's such a beautiful place, and now we, you know, we've been lucky to make it home for two years in a row now, and I just I, I'm I'm I adore the place, so I'm very happy to be back. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our looking interviews. That was the last time that I. Uh, I got to talk to the guys or the cast of Looking, and and then, you know, the season aired, and then it was announced that they were canceling the show, so it's extremely sad, I feel like. I thought that the show was really good. I never saw it. I was always trying to find it online. When my when I broke up with my ex-girlfriend, she changed all her HBO account passwords. Oh, burn. So. <laughs> burn. Uh, that sucks. Um, hopefully one day you will get a chance to watch uh, the couple of seasons that they did produce. I think that, you know, they did a great job. They did a great job shooting San Francisco, one. Um, I really enjoyed just kind of, you know, that they went to all the spots that were relevant to gay life here in the Bay Area. They included the gay community. I mean, there were tons of people that I knew who signed up to be extras and be a part of it. They, you know, joined in at lots of parties. And they also definitely, you know, they talked a lot about they had they introduced storylines that were really realistic of gay life, like sex. Was it equivalent to the L word for lesbians? I mean, obviously, there's only two seasons, but... Um, Popularity-wise, no. Uh, You know, you couldn't compare. Um, You know, the L word just had all kinds of audiences tune in. And I think with gay men and and the storylines that were um, there, you know, I just think that it was pretty targeted. And so that's a really small audience to begin with. you know, I couldn't see, I couldn't see a ton of lesbians tuning in to looking, and I couldn't see a ton of like straight women tuning in to looking, which know? is a large audience for the L word, right? Right. And if you like, I find like Sex in the City, for example, you know, lots of gay men tuned into that, as well as straight women, as well as gay women. Um, so yeah, I think that it was too niche maybe for HBO. Uh, but at the same time, it was really good. Jonathan Groff is an exceptional actor and he's really cute. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's a petition out there. People are trying to get it back. So we'll see. But I think that they're working on looking the movie. So at least fans will have that to look forward to. They always say that about 
TV shows that people love that disappear. They're like, oh no, there's a movie, we promise. We're, we're making a movie that will give you closure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, it continues to be, I think, a, a television show that absolutely changed, you know, how LGBT people or gay men actually are viewed, you know, on, on network TV. So hopefully they'll have a second version of it. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So it's Tuesday, which means John Zipper of Commonwealth Club will be joining us. Woohoo! <laughs> For everything else, you can head to michellemeow.com. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you would like to do. We'll talk to you tomorrow. to the Michelle Miao Show weekdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern on Progressive Voices.